Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the cast. In today's profile, we've got a Christmas flair as we turn our attention to a few of the individuals who are around or waiting for the birth of Jesus. Tune in as we tell their stories as well as extract from their experiences to grow in our own welcoming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I have to ask, Stephen, who are we profiling today? Hey, snake birds! tis a fantastic day to join once again in fellowship with you. And we hope that you're filled with a giddy Christmas joy. Exactly. Unless, of course, uh, you're at your wit's end with Christmas music. At oh which point, gosh. you should still be excited because it's almost over, right, yeah, Josh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like a couple months ago, Mariah Carey. All I want for you know. Oh yeah, like, it I saw me and there was like, it's coming. You know, <laughs> yeah, smell, there's a, a foul sound in the air. <laughs> yeah, and I, that was so out of key. I don't know what I was singing, but that's hilarious. That's, that's the heart of it, at least. Yeah, we hope this episode brings a little comfort today as we zero in on the birth of Jesus from a little different angle than you might have heard before. And it would be a look at three characters who you might just glance over in reading because of the all too familiar scene of the manger, the wise men, the star of Bethlehem, the, the usual things that you hear every year. And the three characters we're going to be looking at are Zechariah, Simeon, and Anna. Anna? I was going to say Anna. But Anna. <laughs> Anna. In, in relation to the birth of Jesus. So it, it is still centered around Jesus, but three characters around his birth, which is kind of a different angle. So I, I'm really excited to come at it from this approach. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a chipmunks person at all? Uh, no, I never really was. Okay. So, well, chipmunks, they get really famous during this time of year because they always have that one song, Christmas, Christmas time is here. I'm not going to do a chipmunk voice right now, but you could speed it up and probably achieve that if you yeah, want. Right? Um, but every time I wrote down the name of these uh, people that were profiling, I had to do it Anna, Simeon, and Zechariah, which made me think of Alvin, <laughs> yeah. Simon, and Theodore. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, the rest of the time on this podcast, we will be speaking in our chipmunk voices. <laughs> <laughs> we have some balloons with helium standing yes. by. Oh my gosh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> right? And annoying. Yeah. So Josh, um, shall we set the scene on this whole scenario yeah. with these three characters? I, I think since we see Christmas and Easter as the most popular church attendance days, people probably have already had the scene set for them around Jesus' birth many times over. But just to remember why Jesus' birth here was so perfectly timed and why it meant so much, um, which is why we see the intense reaction of our three characters today, let's take a quick look at what has led to this. Um, won't take too long on setting the scene, but just to uh, pull it into context here. I think that's a great idea. Cool. So, the coming of Messiah was not only a fulfillment of God's covenant with the first Jewish patriarch, it was anticipated in an extreme way by all of the Jews because they were oppressed. Uh, I tried to think of an emotional comparison to what the Jews might have been feeling. Um, I thought maybe the Native Americans, with some of the injustices they faced by having their land taken from them, and then they were given just a portion back mm -hmm. where they could live in a very limited way on reservations. Um, and not to my knowledge are there any uh, prophesied liberators in Native American history, but if there were... 
Imagine the emotional anticipation they would have thinking, someday this oppression will end. Someday we'll be made free on our land again, free to worship as we see fit. This would be a similar emotion that the Jews had in their very own occupied territory. Since the time of Daniel, the Jews had been oppressed by the Babylonians, Persia, Alexander the Great, and now it's Rome. They'd just been in bondage for a very long time, facing some extreme oppression. But they had God's very words through the prophets that this was all going to end. At some point, Messiah was going to show up and fix all of this. So as we start looking at these three characters here in a second, keep that emotional connection in mind as they realize who this baby is and how they're reacting to Jesus' arrival, even though he is just a baby at the time they witness this arrival. Mm-hmm. So I, that's kind of the, the setting the scene that I was thinking of as we approach these three characters and kind of the the environment of what people were thinking as this time approached. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because all of these characters are found in the book of Luke. And it it makes you appreciate Dr. Luke's perspective because he's very hands-on with people. I was reading about how he mentions widows more than anyone else, uh, any other gospel writer. And it it seems like he just zeroed in on some of the interpersonal relationships and uh, wanted to tell their stories. And so as we look at these three folks, I feel like he was the one that really, it's like uh, he's a modern day journalist and he always has his uh, notepad out and his uh, tape recorder. And he's like, right. well, tell me what you just experienced when you met Jesus. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much what Luke did. Yeah, yeah. And he's For trying to... excellent Theophilus. Yes. Oh, most <laughs> excellent Theophilus. <laughs> Who could have been Theophilus. I don't know. <laughs> have you ever heard that? No, I haven't. No. That's great, though. <laughs> well, some people say that Dr. Luke was a slave of Theophilus. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, if he's a slave owner, then he could be Theophilus. Theophilus. Yeah, it's very clever. Mnemonic phrasing and helping you remember. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. Because, again, yeah, you're right. He was digging in and trying to um, recreate and recount all these things that happened uh, as he's telling the life and times of Jesus from his perspective. Yeah, which I really appreciate him going through it with a fine-tooth comb because he yeah. was just the exactness and wanting to keep it, um, it not not stretching the stories. It, Luke really made an effort to do that. Yeah, for sure. For it to be the, the honest truth. Mm-hmm. And that's why we know of our three characters here. So I'm grateful for that. Yes, very much so. Right on. So we really pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. We can skip the first few verses because it's kind of a greeting. But Josh, do we want to read? I, I kind of did this a couple ways. I, I laid the story out, and then I have the uh, the verse beneath what I laid out. Should we just go ahead and read the verses first? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, let's do that. Luke 1, I'm going to start in 5 through 7. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So that gives us... um, uh, uh, our first look is Zachariah here, and I do not know if I if I pronounced Abijah, Abijah, Abijah. I've heard it 
Abijah. Abijah. But I'm not sure. That that sounds because it's similar spelled to uh, Elijah. So I like that. Abijah. <laughs> Abijah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a few things that um, I, I want to mention about um, him, Abijah, at the beginning here, Josh. But is there anything you want to mention before I do? No, go for it, and, and I'll piggyback on what you say. Okay. So our first character here, Zechariah. We see that he is a priest in the time of Herod. And Luke introduces him in a really cool way because he makes this note that he is in the priestly lineage of the priest, the uh, long-ago priest, Abijah. And the reason this is noteworthy is because Abijah was one of 24 priestly rotations set by David a thousand years prior to Zechariah here. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was the priestly line had become so numerous that David was like, all right, y'all can't all serve at once. So we're going to have to divide you into 24 priestly teams so that you can serve at different times. And Abijah's number in this line of 24 was the number eight. And the number eight in scripture refers to new beginnings or a new order. And what we're fixing to see is that Zechariah, a thousand years later in the lineage of the eighth priestly line, is playing a part in introducing the Messiah to the world. Oh, my gosh. Coincidence? I think not. No, Pretty yeah, cool little that is deal. awesome. But that's our boy Zechariah here in, um, in the three-part profile. So, uh, Josh, is there anything you want to jump into before we go into this next verse describing the situation? Yeah, uh, I really thought it was awesome that both he and Elizabeth are from uh, the lineage of Aaron. That's right. The yeah. priestly lineage. And I thought it was important to note, since we're just kind of in this um, in this portion, just talking about how righteous they were before the Lord, that they were blameless to follow his decrees and commandments, but they were childless. And in that day, and age, a lot of people looked at that as not being favored by God. Yeah. If you could not conceive that that somehow you were out of God's favor. And so um, them both being very old uh, kind of shadows uh, or um, reflects a little bit of Abraham and Sarah. Right. And we don't know their age, but yeah. I mean, to a degree, he even has a little bit of the same reaction that Sarah does later on and gets called on the carpet for it. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to tell his story. I was just fixing to say, I didn't realize that he was also from the line of Aaron, but he would have had to have been because be a he's priest. a priest. Yeah. <laughs> As I was fixing to ask the question, I was like, I'm not going to ask. And then I asked it, and so I still look foolish. But <laughs> either way, that, that makes sense. That's great. Okay, so uh, starting in, in verse 8, we're going to see uh, a little bit more unfold. Josh, do you want to take us from there? Yeah, yeah. I'll read through 10. Is that okay? Sounds good. Okay. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And uh, so it's really neat because it seems like there were several lots that would be cast to determine who did what at the morning sacrifice. And yeah. the first lot determined who would cleanse the altar and prepare its fire. The second lot determined who would kill the morning sacrifice and sprinkle the altar, the golden candlestick, and the altar of incense. The third lot determined who would come and offer incense. This was the most privileged duty. Those who received the first and second lots would only repeat their duty at the evening sacrifice. 
but typically not the third. Uh, there's some debate on that. They might be the morning or the evening, but to offer the incense would be a once in a lifetime opportunity. It was in fact such a high honor that the privilege was only allowed once in your lifetime. Wow. Yeah, That's because crazy. these priests would be called out to come. Like you said, they were in these um, 24 courses or 24, uh, how did you say the Divisions. Divisions, or... yeah. And so um, they would only serve at the temple for like a week. And, yeah. and so to be called on for this uh, high honor would be like the biggest day of his life. Right. You know, he got called up to the big leagues for that moment. Yeah, for real. You, can, can I uh, make a confession here? Oh, sure. So when I was reading this portion, I saw that he was chosen by lot. Yes. And it, it, it didn't say casting lots. It just says lot. Oh. And I was like, oh, hold on a minute here. And so I got the Bible dictionary out, and I saw there was like eight Zacharias. And I was like, lot, this this, this doesn't fit in the timeline. This does not fit in the timeline. <laughs> this <laughs> so is chronologically it, unsound. It took about five literal minutes, and then I was like, that's got to mean lots, like casting yeah. lots. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just had to confess that. Oh, but, man. Um, it makes so much more sense. You just explained they uh, the, that was their avenue of choosing. Oh my gosh, that's really <laughs> funny. Well, considering that the Ruth uh, profile broke my brain chronologically, I can understand where you're coming from. Just right? What, you're like, I'm a snake bird. I need to know exactly. I mean, yeah. you, you don't just read over it and be like, Well, yeah. we got an episode. We'll study it later. We got to study it now. <laughs> so I'll tell you a secret. I think Lot would have been a capital L if it had actually been the character. Well, I obviously was not. I, I needed a little more coffee at that point. You're like, man, come on. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I felt like when I discovered it. There, that is a snakebird topic that I think we need to address at some point because there was a lot of Lot's cast in the Old Testament Um to find out the will of the Lord. And yeah. you got the, the Umim and the... The Thurim? Yeah. The, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm not saying I know right. what you're talking about. The Umim about. and the Thummim? Thummin? Thum, yeah, thum, thum. Something. <laughs> Sounds like we have a list. Some sort of Umin. Yeah, yeah. So um, how they had that on the ephod, and they used that yeah. to determine the Lord's will. So yeah. David said, bring hither the ephod. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they cast lots, I believe, for the uh, the, the apostle after Judas. Matthias, yeah, the, the 13th apostle. That's right. Yeah. So they, that, that would be a very interesting episode. Yes. We should do that. Well, let's get it on the books at some point. We will discuss that after this. Yes. That's okay. awesome. Cool. All right. So... Um, I, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember it now. So okay. if my mind uh, jugs loose later, maybe I'll, I'll think of it then. I'll keep going if that's all yeah, right. Yeah, that sounds good. So um, before dawn, hundreds of worshipers would gather at the temple. The morning sacrifice began when the incense priest walked towards the temple through the outer courts. He struck a gong-like instrument known as the magrafa. At this sound, the Levites assembled and got ready to lead the gathered people in songs of worship to God. The other two priests chosen by Lot that morning, not, you know, yeah. not Lot, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's just funny to me, I know. Uh, walked up to the temple on each side of the priest chosen to offer incense. All three entered the holy place together. One priest set the burning coals on the golden altar. The other priest arranged the incense so it was ready to go. 
Then those priests left the temple, and the incense priest was left all alone in the holy place. In front of him was the golden altar of incense. It was 18 inches square and 3 feet high. On that small table lay the burning coals, the little wisp of smoke rising up, ready for incense. Behind the golden altar was a huge, thick curtain, and behind that curtain was the Holy of Holies, the most holy place where no man could enter except the high priest, and that only on the Day of Atonement. As he faced the golden altar of incense, to his right would be the table of showbread, and to his left would be the golden lampstand, which provided the only light for the holy place. When the people outside saw the two men exit the temple, they knew that the time to offer the incense had come. Those hundreds of people would bow or kneel before the Lord and spread their hands out in silent prayer. They knew at that moment the incense priest prayed in the holy place in the very presence of God for the entire nation. There followed several minutes of dead silence in all the temple precincts as Zechariah lingered in prayer in the holy place during this, the most solemn experience of his life. Well. Wow. What a, a once-in-a-lifetime, like you said, opportunity. Yeah, yeah. just um, think about the silence and just um, the the commentator that I read was like, did he memorize his prayer? Did he pull out like a cheat sheet? Right. <laughs> you know, uh, did he pray for something personal or, or did he realize the weight of it and, and talk about the oppression from the Romans and talk about uh, God coming to save? And, and um, I, I just, I think it's fascinating. For sure. Reading these next verses here in a minute, I think of like, have you ever had something where you you got a really honorable thing to do, like probably a once in a lifetime type of deal, and then something goes wrong? Yes. (laughs) That's what I think of in (laughs) these next verses. It's like, it's not supposed to go this way. Yeah. It's going to be like an embarrassment almost. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. I didn't realize that it was um, that rare of a moment for him to burn incense. Yeah, I, I didn't was either. thinking like it was just uh, they did the rotation and it was kind of a usual thing. But it sounds like from what you said, that's a very rare experience. Yes, and several commentators I came across said that. Um, it was a high honor, like I said before, but never permitted to serve in this capacity twice. Wow, yeah, I did not realize that. Yeah, I didn't either. So, I mean, to for him, it was like, this is my chance, you know, and not, yeah. not to shine, but to serve in the greatest capacity that maybe I could at this moment. Yeah. So he's he's focused, he's locked in. Yeah, well, he's about to be scared. So <laughs> <laughs> let's jump back into uh, starting in verse 11, shall we? Yes. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hmm. So that's uh, all the way through verse 17 there. So. He goes in there, you know, and if this is his only time to do it, 
he, surely he's not like, is this what happens every time? <laughs> so, yeah. Which, of course, when he tells him about the, the child to be born, he realizes it's not. But he he's pretty scared, for one, because he's supposed to be the only one in there. Yes. And two, um, angels just scare people. Yeah. Yeah, every time they show up, they're typically pretty freaked out. Yeah, they're like these spiritual creepers that just appear on folks <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and then they have to talk them down. It's yeah. like, stop, stop, hold yeah, on. <laughs> I can't think of um, – I think it's Samson's parents who are like – it's the dad who's like, well, we saw an angel. We're going to die. And the wife goes – no, he just told us stuff was supposed to happen, so we can't die. <laughs> That's funny you mentioned Samson because uh, in a very similar fashion, yes. no drinking alcohol, and there's mm-hmm. some restrictions that are, are to be had. Yes, the Nazarite. The Nazarite vow, yeah. Yeah. Is that what John is under here? Is yes. it the, oh, Okay. I didn't yeah. realize because that, that's where you don't cut the hair, and that mm-hmm. makes sense because John was all of those things. He's Chewbacca. He was. He was. <laughs> 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 He's a hairy man. <laughs> no doubt full of fervor. Yeah, that's right. Covered in hair. No, I mean, it just like that whole Nazarite vow thing was was with him. And yes. Like, don't touch alcohol. Don't touch a dead body. And um, Filled with the spirit before he is even born. Yeah, that's is, such a cool thing. I think we'll, we'll see a little uh, evidence of, of that here in a little bit. Uh-huh. But that yeah. is too cool. Lead the people in the spirit of Elijah. Set the pace. Yeah. Be the forerunner. I, yeah, I mean, can you imagine being a priest and hearing that and you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah, which I guess we need to hear what Zechariah has to say, and I will read if that's all right. Well, yeah, and I, I just, oh, right before you do, um, I'm sure there were red flags going up like crazy in his priestly head because he would have certainly been familiar with... Um, prophecies in Isaiah 43 through 5 and Malachi 3, 1. These prophecies were highly anticipated by Israel. And here this angel is telling him that it's going to be his son fulfilling these mm-hmm. prophecies. And so just the the sea and waves of emotion that, <laughs> yeah. that must have been, <laughs> yeah. which is just insane. Um, but he's he's going to doubt it, isn't he? <laughs> he is. I <laughs> we're, mean, we're fixing to see. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I, I can't be too hard on him because it's just a crazy scene. It is. Yeah. Okay. So how about I read it and then we'll discuss it. Yeah, I know. It was a spoiler. Um, I have through verse 22. Is that okay? Sounds good. Okay. So verse 18 says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Uh, Dude, don't doubt. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. That's a very kind way to say that. My wife's old. (laughs) Uh, The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered why he'd stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. I like how he's like... I'm really old. He's like, yeah, but I'm Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, quit. Yeah. 
I'm what's that? I'm hungry. Uh, hi, hungry. I'm dad. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Yeah, the you, first you, dad joke. For real. He's like, enough of that. I'm an angel. You heard this. This is coming true type of deal. Yeah. And what's wild is that the people outside are actually waiting for him to come out. And he's supposed to do the blessing from Numbers chapter 6, <laughs> verses 24 through 26, where he says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The yeah. Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And when he comes out, he's like... Yeah. You know? <laughs> hand, hand gestures. Yeah. He's been struck with a silent treatment for nine months straight at this point. Yeah. Um, and I've got some observations on that, but I might save them for a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and he's supposed to give this blessing, but the people, it, it does say that they're at least able to see that he had a vision. They're mm-hmm. like, all right, we know something happened yeah. here. Yeah. Something went on in that room. Have you heard... Um, some commentators say that not only did he uh, become muted during this time, but some suggest that he became deaf. Really? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't catch that, but that's I, interesting. I will present my reasons why a little bit later as we go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I just. I mean, I've. I came across it a few times, and I found one that was sarcastically like, he's mute, not deaf, idiots, you know, <laughs> to which I was like, well, that makes sense, too. So I, I like I, this I commentator. Yeah, yeah, I was like, man, I feel uh, kindred spirits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cut from the same cloth. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's nothing really more for him to do at this point mm-hmm. after they realize that something happened in yes. there. Um, so he returns home to his wife, Elizabeth. That's all that there's left to do. I mean, his duties ended there. Well, he's got a duty to do. Well, he does. He has to fulfill <laughs> one more duty. <laughs> I don't know. It's just getting sketchy. This is all going to end up in bloopers probably. But no, I mean, he's got to go home and he says, baby, I need a bottle of water. I need a, a pen and some paper. And, and uh, I just want you to know, this is going to result in something you've wanted for a long, long time. <laughs> Get out the fluffy goat comforter. <laughs> okay. You remember but... that baby maker blanket that your mom gave us and said, hey, you know, eventually this is going to come in handy? Today it will. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he does. He goes home, and um, that that's uh, clearly what happens because we see that she gets pregnant immediately, mm-hmm. uh, ends up going into seclusion for five months, doesn't she, Josh? Yes, yeah. Do you, do you think it's maybe just uh, waiting on God and not wanting to, like, show it off or is it maybe waiting on the Lord by faith just saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this baby just – grow and not necessarily have the scrutiny of the community i've been what well what i got from it was it, it was definitely not the type of seclusion where someone is sulking or no um it, because we see in verse 25 that she is very grateful um in, in states the lord has done this for me mm-hmm. in these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people i yes. mean she is I I tend to think that she was just so overwhelmed with joy and the honor of yeah. what this meant prophetically and everything that she was probably I would imagine devoted to prayer and gratefulness and all of that. Yeah, yeah, and I okay, so I lo- I looked at it from a couple of different ways and I mean, I'm not saying that she doubted the Lord. I just know that sometimes when couples who have been trying to get pregnant for a long 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 time that when they finally hear the news that 
they don't share it immediately because they're just nervous about like the what emotional, might happen. yeah, the, the Terry it would take if the baby didn't survive. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense too. And that makes so sense. Maybe it's not like, oh, I don't believe kind of thing. It's just a, I don't want this to get out because I just want to enjoy it and just thank the Lord myself, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, it's such a precious gem like that. You would want to take such extreme caution in protecting mm-hmm. it. She's probably just being overzealous in, in that realm. Yes. And this is another one of those uh, areas where we did know the age of Abraham and Sarah, but it would have been really cool to know the ages of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Yeah. And, you know, I did stumble across a few uh, commentators that I don't know where they got their source. I didn't dive into it, but some said something about Zechariah being 99 and Elizabeth 88. Yeah. But that's that's definitely extra biblical. I don't know where they got that, but um, she advanced in years. Uh, That's going to be unnaturally old. (laughs) Yeah. And I found that usually when they refer to advanced in age, uh, typically in the Bible, it means older than 60. So whatever the case is, I mean, that's pretty miraculous. Yeah. People would have known it was a miracle. (laughs) Yeah. If if I see somebody who's 60 years old walking down the, the road with a pregnancy belly, I'm going to go, wow, something something <laughs> happened here. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Wow. They're going to know it's a miracle. So yes. Yeah, and she's advanced. very, very thankful. Yeah. Yeah. We see that in uh, verse 25. She is extremely grateful. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we see is at the six-month period. So she's been in seclusion for five months, yes. um, praying whatever it might have been, um, just just soaking in the miracle of this whole thing. And we see at the six-month point in Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, where we're going to get introduced to a character that you probably never heard of before, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who is betrothed to Joseph. And this is um, part of the Christmas story you've you've definitely heard in sermons around Jesus' birth here. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he's the messenger angel. He sure is, certainly. He's definitely the angel God trusts around the Messiah's coming, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's angel, you're going to have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) In my notes, since everyone is is already so familiar with the story of Mary's uh, immaculate conception, I skip to the moment where Elizabeth and Mary meet for the first time. After they both become pregnant, uh, if if you want, listener, you can uh, read verses twenty six through thirty eight in Luke chapter one. Unless Josh, you want to touch on anything in that realm, I skipped it too. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought it made most sense yeah, because because we're not telling that story necessarily. Exactly. Y'all most likely already know about it, and that's not our character. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mary is told by the angel that her relative Elizabeth is also pregnant and that the pregnancies are related prophetically. Yes. What? uh, Now, are they cousins? They are cousins. They're cousins. Okay, I thought they were cousins. The translation I said I had said relative, and I was like, I want to say cousins, but I wasn't sure. They're cousins for sure. So uh, Mary's completely floored about this news. I mean, she immediately goes to visit Elizabeth because, I mean, that's that's what girls do when it comes to baby <laughs> stuff, isn't it? <laughs> In the next scene, uh, I think it'd be best just to read it right out of Scripture to get the, the unfiltered story. Um, starting in verse 39. I like that plan. Cool. Josh, do you want to read it? Or you want me to? Go for it. Okay. 
At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her.'" That's so cool. So this this scene is understandably one of intense emotions, isn't it, Josh? Yes, for sure. Obviously, I mean, all mothers have intense emotions when it comes to the miracle of motherhood. But in this case, it was so much more than anyone could ever imagine, ever. Because Elizabeth, with John the Baptist, uh, not only the one to pave the way for the Messiah, but also the one Jesus himself said was the greatest man born among women. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Mary, the human mother of the Savior of the world. I mean, this goes beyond just the miracle of motherhood. Yeah. And. Yeah, truly something that no one else could ever feel. Yeah, and I was going to downplay it by saying hashtag bladder trampoline, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. Tell me off guard with that one. <laughs> well, every pregnant woman that I've ever been around has been like, hey, it's just laying on my bladder. I always got to go to the bathroom every time of every day, <laughs> yeah. you know, but that's definitely not the situation here. I mean, honestly, what it is, is it's. Um, being so excited about the arrival of the Savior and and this plan that God has been setting into motion really since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden is coming to fruition. And uh, I believe that creation and, and God's just sovereignty can't help but rejoice. So yeah. to, to be silly about it is one thing, but to really get it in the scope of what it is is another. And and what that what that means is like just pure joy yeah and i love her reaction like they're just like who are we that this should be happening to us but it is yes and uh they respond in kind because even then i skipped it again but mary has this wonderful song that she just sings and you know she's very stoked and and i would encourage our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with it to go and read those verses it's a uh, verse uh 46 through 56 yeah so I didn't know if you, you skipped that or not. I, I skipped to verse 57 is what okay. I did. I did as well. I think it's, I mean, it's really noteworthy that you mentioned that they were they were humble about it in that way. Because yeah. that's the type of characters God uses. They're yes. like, who am I that God? And God's like, that's exactly why. It's because yeah. you're looking at it like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and it seems like Mary stayed with Elizabeth all the way up till almost yeah. she gives birth. Yeah, it does look that way. Yeah. Um, so starting in, in verse 57, do you want to read that, Josh? Sure, I will. So it says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. And uh, I found this funny. I, uh, somebody said that William Barclay relates the custom of the time. He said, when the time of the birth was near at hand, friends and local musicians gathered near the house. When the birth was announced and it was a boy, the musicians broke into song and there was universal congratulations and rejoicing. If it was a girl, the musicians went silently and regretfully away. <laughs> it's just so terrible. I mean, culturally, they just were very, very thrilled uh, to have male offspring and not as excited to have female offspring. I, I just... 
in this day and age, I mean, we, we set whole forests on fire for gender reveals, so <laughs> right. who knows? But um, and hearing that, I imagine Jack Black is one of the musicians in the background <laughs> that does some really sarcastic walk away at the yeah. at the girl, <laughs> yeah, just dragging his guitar, just like yeah, you know, as it's like going over the the gravel or whatever. Well, yeah. So um, I just I wanted to share that as an aside, but yeah. uh, verse fifty nine on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah but his mother spoke up and said no his name is to be called John they said to her uh there is no one among your relatives who has that name verse 62 then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child he asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment he wrote his name is John which means yeah. the lord is gracious and this is the verse right here that implies that maybe he was deaf because they made signs to his father. Whereas if he's oh, only okay. muted, then they should have been like, well, what's his name? You know? Gotcha. Yeah. Unless it was from like a long distance of them saying like, come over here. <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm making motions thinking the listener's going to see them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stephen is waving his arm in. I, this will be an audio description podcast from now on. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense though. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. And I, again, I appreciate the sarcastic commentator who's like, he's muted, not deaf, you dolts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but this ends up being a good thing for Zachariah, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Because he, he's like, no, it's John. And at this moment, something magical happens. Yes. Yeah, because after nine months and at least eight days, yes. he has not been able to speak out loud. But verse 64 says, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, saying, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. <laughs> what is it? What is it? <laughs> what is it? What then is this child? Yeah, just like they knew something happened in that room nine months prior, they knew this child was going to be something. Yes. There is something in the air. They all knew it. And so, yeah, not only is he able to speak, but he starts to say some awesome stuff. I think that's what you're going to go into next, right? Yeah, yeah. He has a, um, a joyful song that he that he lays out. Yes. Uh, in verses 67 through 80. And I think it'd be a disservice not to read it. So we should probably read that. Don't you think, Josh? Can you sing, Stephen? Do it. All right. I'm not going to sing it. I was, okay. fi- I was fixing to, but okay. I'm, I'm not. In the spirit of Jack Black. <laughs> okay, sorry. Verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he has said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation 
salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Oh my gosh. Man, talk about just an overload of spirit-filled <laughs> outpour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could you come up with that on your own? Not good. That's got to be the spirit. It, it was. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, then I love how he talks about Jesus at the beginning. And then he's like, and you, my child, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just so awesome that he's like, he's talking about God bringing the horn of salvation from the house of his servant, David. And, and anyone who knows anything about uh, the lineage of Jesus is just like, oh my gosh, he's pointing to the Messiah. For uh, for me being a dad, there there's nothing, there's no feeling really that beats um being a proud dad of your mm-hmm. child. And yeah. I, I just love seeing that in him. It's like, you, my son, yes. you're going to do this. Yeah. Not because of you, because of who God's using you as. Yeah. It's just the, the the proud parent right there almost, you know, brings a tear to my eye. Yeah. Because I just, such a precious moment. Yeah. Kind of being the nerd that I am, I feel a little bit of the Marlon Brando speech when he's talking to Kal-El and he's like, you will teach them to shine in the sun and all those things. Do you know anything I, I've that never, I'm talking about? I've never seen the Green Lantern. <laughs> okay. Our partnership has ended. <laughs> I knew it was some superhero movie. you got to give me some credit. <laughs> Superman. Oh, Superman. Mercy. Come on. I, I never liked Superman. Oh, yeah. Well, I was a Batman. still over. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, I ruined it. It, it, yeah. it was a moment that I'm sure the listeners knew, though. I hope so. I don't know. They're probably not like the nerds that I am, but well, it's basically there's this speech where he's like, they're going to look at you, and and um, Superman is based off of Jesus anyway, but he's like, you're going to teach them to shine in the sun, and you're going to, you know, you're going to inspire them. And I think it's so neat to be able to relay that from father to son and just the pride that would come out, especially when he knows that um, his son is the herald of the Messiah. So to yeah. steer it back from nerdy comic book talk, <laughs> yeah. really what's going on here is so fantastic. Yeah, it really is such an awesome thing to see Zechariah end with, with that song and that yes. joy. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then he does grow strong and he does live in the wilderness uh, until he publicly appeared to Israel. That's how chapter one ends. And that's how uh, we close the book, at least for now, on Zechariah, because that's pretty cool as an origin story for John the Baptist. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, it looks like it's come to another one of those points where we're running a little longer than we thought we were going to. (laughs) So I think we're going to cut this and we're going to do a part two. I think it really needs it. So what do you think about that, Josh? Yeah, we've done these profiles where they go for almost like an hour and a half or whatever. And it just seems like it gets a little long. So I think that's a good idea. Right on. Sounds great. Yeah. In the meantime, if you are enjoying this and you want to contact us, go ahead and send us an email at connect at bsnakebird.com or reach out on Facebook. And uh, before we forget, come back next week for part two. That's right, guys. And don't forget to send us ideas. If you have um, episode ideas, anything like that, reach out to us. We always encourage that. Yes. Okay, Snakebirds, always remember whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus and celebrate the birth of Jesus and be a snakebird. Snake